One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey everyone, it's the Red Men Podcast. Welcome aboard. If you are new, thank you so much for checking us out. We're going to be talking all things Liverpool Football Club today. Uh, the players will have reported back for pre-season training by the time we hit up next week's episode. So we thought we'll do some pre-season predictions. Uh, as yet, we do not know who Liverpool will be playing in pre-season. They just decided to just to basically make our lives more difficult by keeping that under wraps. I'm sure that's the exact reason. Normally they play a game a week after they come back. Don't they? Yeah. So we're less than two weeks away, probably from the first normal game, and yeah. we still don't know about it. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah, absolutely. We should all be have. We should all have our Tranmere Overs tickets booked by exactly. now. Waiting for that first pre-season game, and yeah, we can't do that just yet. Uh, right, yeah, we're going to be discussing that. We're going to be talking uh, a lot about Jordan Henderson and, and and his role for England, which is really good at the moment. Uh, and we're going to be doing some kickoff questions momentarily. But it is me, Paul Machen. It is Chris Payjack in the studio. Sam Walker and John Machen join us from home for this one. And our first kickoff question comes from Half Space at Half Space Eight, which sounds like a wonderful like science fiction football show from the seventies. I'm I'm all over that. Um, your proudest footballing moment, like an amazing save, a great pass, a crazy goal, or even an over-the-top celebration, Chris Pajak? Um, goal, Rudston pre- Villa. Yeah, it's pretty boring, to be honest with you. So, Rudston Villa, Simpsons ground, um, half volley from about 25 yards out when I was about 12, 13 years old, over the keeper's head. Now, back then, it looked amazing, but if you were to, like actually watched the goal from the sidelines. The keeper was half the size of the goal <laughs> and it just went through his head. It didn't go into the top bin or anything, but you're not supposed to be able to score from 25 yards with a half volley when you're that age. Yeah. So it was either that one or um, saving all of Lazarmakovic's things in dizzy penalties <laughs> and it being recorded so people could actually see that yeah. and a couple of Phil Coutinho's and none of Raheem Sterling's. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, good, very good for you. Absolutely owned Lassen Markovic. It was then, it was it was really then where a few of us sat around and went, he's not good enough. He might not be good enough to play for us here, I'll be perfectly honest. Like, it was, Amer- it was the American shootout was the one where you did, the, 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 totally did him because... He had three attempts. Sterling absolutely ruined you. Completely like, like he, he, he knew what was at stake and he wasn't going to be stopped by you. It was you. ridiculous because it was like... It, you know what it's like? It was like I was in the Matrix and I'd slowed down. But it was like the opposite of the Matrix because Sterling just went boom yeah. and went past me and I was like... <laughs> yeah, whereas Markovic, I mean, to his, to his, to his limited credit, he, he obviously thought it was a light-hearted, fun thing, which it clearly was. It wasn't, it wasn't for you. It wasn't. And it, it wasn't for Sterling. And that, you know, what the difference is, Chris. Winners. Elite mentality. That's what it is. <laughs> uh, he was trying to like rainbow flicker over you and all kinds, and you had just absolutely shut him down. I think that's a pretty good, a pretty good, a pretty good and proud football and sport move. Um, Sam, what's yours? Yeah, quite an easy one for me, really. Uh, growing up, I was a goalkeeper. So, as as a goalkeeper, as you know, Paul, that explains quite... a lot, Sam. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, <laughs> but it's very difficult to be a hero unless you're playing a penalty shootout and make saves and stuff like that. So, I'm going to skip all that period till I was about 23 and I gave up. Um, I played in a charity game at Anfield in 2011 or 12, a football aid. So, where you pay, you get absolutely 
have your pants pulled down to play a game at Anfield anyway. But you get like the full experience that like, you you never walk alone, you get your kit with your name on and all that, like a couple of legends playing. Anyway, um I scored at the cop end and it was like brilliant. And it just kind of happens and you don't realise it's happening because you're just playing a game of footy, aren't you? And um did the old Hesky DJ celebration, obviously as you know, used to be back <laughs> in the day. And um, but when I scored, my, my cousin said to me, my cousin played the game, so he said, You've got to celebrate, you've got to celebrate. So I sort of ran over to the director's box, like bit where, where people were, and me and my brother had it on video, so that was quite nice. I've obviously still got it to this day. So you know what? Forget competitive football. You got to play at Anfield and score a goal. That's gotta be it for me. So yeah. That sounds amazing. Absolutely amazing. Dad, have you got anything that comes close to scoring at the cop end? <laughs> no. Absolutely not. Not even Gladys Street. Never mind. <laughs> 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 Now, mine would have been, um, I used to be, well, my school team were absolutely brilliant and they sort of won everything around. They won the Echo Cup and Martindale and all that. And it was in the, the area of no substitute. So I was often the 12th man. So I got asked to play for the year above me. And the first game we played, I got the ball. I won the ball in the middle of our half, passed it to the wing, ran straight down the middle towards the goal screaming for a cross the guy on the wing crossed it to me i hit it on the volley absolutely perfectly in stride into the top under the roof of the net and thought that's the greatest goal i'll ever score in my whole life and i ran away with one arm up in the air like shearer or in that day dennis law and the lad on the on the side said what's that what have you got your arm up for what are you celebrating for we don't do that <laughs> he was older and bigger than me so i thought <laughs> <laughs> Don't celebrate! Oh my god, but he loved Mario Balotelli. Um, oh my god, who apparently didn't score because you know postmen don't celebrate when they post letters, but really they celebrate because he didn't score. Um, I am um, proud of football moments. It's it's weird. I had a couple of a couple of decent ones like mentioned, like as a, as a keeper, like a penalty save in the in the um, in, in in the cup for the school. One of the one of the ones was the one that I always remember. I, I talk about this a bit was. Being a sub and being and, and we and we being the only sub on on a Saturday early kickoff. A lot of our main first team were off playing for the the the, the main teams they played for the, the club teams, and um, a player got injured, so I got subbed on at right back and I had an absolute field day. It was the most fun I've ever had in football because we at that time when you're like 15, 16, you played football like five six days a week so even if you weren't amazing you were good at football because you played against your mates you used to go to the park and play against your four mates so you knew how to take a man on because you you just learned you had to come up with new ways to take men on so I just had fun skinning left wingers for fun because no one expected the goalie to be any good at footy which was uh, which is pretty good and the only other one one was uh, was scoring an overhead kick in I sevens? Saw, I saw that overhead kick. That was on the mystery, wasn't it? Oh, I scored. Oh, sorry, I scored an overhead kick in in yeah in school. But you know, it's been my party piece for for well, I was, for I was years. playing on the next pitch, and I, for some reason, I, I'd stopped and looked, and I saw you and this amazing overhead mm. kick from the other from the pitch next year. And I was like, that's the first team goalie. Like, <laughs> what's he doing? Like, what a goal that one was. Like, I did that one again. It was that, it was, it was too many years of watching football gaffs videos and seeing like mad goalkeeper stuff that we played at a training game for the school. And I, and I scored from goal by dribbling it down the pitch, beat everyone and, and beat everyone and slotted. That wasn't the, again, it wasn't the full strike team. I couldn't have done it against the full strike team. But yeah, yeah good, good stuff. But overhead kicks, it's good overhead kicking sevens and Sean, who used to play. With us, it was desperate to try and get the CCTV footage, and he, he didn't have it. Yeah, he was. Uh, he might be watching this actually, Sean. Hopefully, you are. Yeah, come play footy with us again, Sean. Um, Thursday, seven o'clock. Yeah, um, yeah. Right, we, to get to bring things more back to the Reds, then uh, do let us know your your best sport and uh, best football moments, sorry, in the comments. Um, yeah, always good. Was to Sean see. even on our side? He gets well excited for a good goal, Sean. He does. It doesn't matter who scored it, he whether does. it's his team or not. Yeah, which really does. annoys the really competitive people when he's celebrating the other team scoring. Um, that was a very visual gag. Uh, Jack Jones, the, the real Jack Jones. He's had the next dress, so I, I, he's thrown doubt straight Just the clothing that. guy. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. I was like, I was thinking, real. He's got a really good Twitter handle, and then he's had an extra dress. Unless that's how his name's spelt, which in which case that's cool. Uh, do you think we should get a 
uh, like for like junior replacements, would you prefer an AMC? Uh, credit here for using the football manager um, layout, not camp, uh, or a striker and give you the option of playing Bobby as a 10. Personally, I'd like the flexibility that assigning a 10 gives us, and I think it's the place to get best out of Ox slash Nabby, and then hashtag Mbappe 2021. He's gone for all kinds here as old Jack Jones. Um, but the answer to the first question, Chris, I like for like genie replacements. And can I give a really boring answer here? It depends what Klopp wants to do. Yeah. You know, if, if like, because I like the idea of playing Bobby in the 10, but it's redundant if we don't have a 10 in our team. Hmm. You know what I mean? So it, it really uh, is a boring answer. It depends what he's going to do. If he's going to play the same formation as last year, then I think we need a like for like genie form- uh, replacement. Yeah. If he's going to change the formation, then I want the flexibility of someone who can play a 10 and the forward. Mm-hmm. You know, but look at me, I'm greedy. I want both. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a good point. It's a good point. It is a good point. We're all a bit greedy, aren't we? Um, as evidenced. Um, but the but Sam, you know, it, I, I get it. I, I don't know what the like for like any replacement <coughs> thing because it depends how we don't what we don't know. And it's sort of to Chris's point. We don't can know what the managers want. We don't know if there's going to be a, an evolution of this team in terms of what they're doing. Genie Van Alden, we might have actually wanted Genie Van Alden to do what he do, does, but score 10 goals a season, which sounds yeah. ridiculous, but we might, that might be what we wanted. So we might not want a like for like Genie replacements. We might actually want someone who's better, which is hard to say when he was so in, integral to the side, particularly last season in the face of all the injuries. But we don't know, do we? Yeah, I, I'm actually in agreement with you there. I think there's there's a world between a number ten and a, a six slash eight, which is what Genie was, wasn't he? Really, um, you know, if you want to go and buy Eve Basuma, you're probably getting more like a Genie replacement for for our team. Personally, I'd like someone who plays central midfield but has a bit more output going forward. So, in an ideal world, Tilly Zillemans would be the person we go for. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> as I would say, Yuri Tillemans, so that, that, that kind of player who plays centrally, can drop deep, pick up the ball, etc., etc. But as an output in the final third, like you say, if Genie could have scored another five goals a season or four goals a season, he would have been the absolute perfect central midfielder. So, I think maybe, ideally for me personally, that would be what I would go for. I think Klopp will probably go for something more pragmatic because we've got a lot of attacking players in the squad already, like Cater and Oxlade-Chamberlain, whatever he does with Minamino. Yeah, so I, I would rather us go for a sort of hybrid. Sorry, Paul, go just, on. just on the genie thing, does anyone think that Klopp told him how to play that role? Yeah. So it stands to reason, because I think Genie Wijnaldum could have done that, sort of, well, he can Look at him in the Euros, look at him for Holland for the last four years or whatever. He can do the, he's got the attack and output, but I think he's being told, keep it, do I, a job for the team. I, I sort of, but also he misses loads, of, he misses so yeah. many chances. Like, you know, so. Which means he was doing the job. Exactly, but the point is he's not, but he's, you can get someone who can do all of that potentially. I wonder whether they look at that and go, if you can have someone who can finish at the end of it, you've got Genie Van Alden. Plus is maybe is maybe the point on that because I agree. I think he has told them, and I think Jean, it's not like we don't see Genie Van Alden getting around the box. But how many times you go and oh god, Genie! Like you know, how many times he, the ball would drop him on the edge of the box and it goes twenty yards over the That's over true. the bar and stuff. That might be it. I think. What are your thoughts on it, Dad? Well, my point would be the same as Chris's. I think we will buy a Genie replacement, but he'll a replacement in so far as he'll do what he's told. Yeah, Klopp will play him whatever way he wants to play him, and he might buy the best attacking midfield player in the world and play him deep. You know, that's what Klopp will do if he wants to, uh, and whoever comes in will will actually follow the plan. Uh, my own preference is for an attacking midfield player because, you know, for all the Shakiri and Ox, you know, are in the squad, there's no output from them at the moment. Yeah. So, you know, I think we do need someone who's a bit more going to grab the game by the scruff of the neck a bit more, like Ox used to do before his injury. Yeah. Um, so that would be my preference. But, you know, we will be bringing in someone who does what Klopp needs for the team. My 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 best guess is there are genie replacements, Jordan. 
I think that Jordan Anderson becomes the lad who ends up on the edge of the box mm -hmm. because Thiago won't be that guy. Yeah. He'll be yeah. sort of slightly deeper than Jordan Henderson. So whereas we've we've kind of had a little bit of both with Henderson and Wijnaldum sort of taking turns, I think that Henderson's the one that's sort of given that freedom to join the edge of the box, going beyond the striker when necessary, and know that Thiago and Fabinho are behind him. I think that's a really interesting point. I, I, I wonder, and it just links back to the points made there, whether it's not so much a genie replacement as much it is someone to finally do what Caton and Ox were meant to do. And yeah. and that's that that's that point of again, and you're you're suggesting it with Henderson stuff, which I think is is, is very possible as well. But you've got Ox and Cater there who are ball carrying, attacking naturally attack-minded midfielders then neither of them is going to play the six for you whereas all of our other midfielders can all play could all play the six and whether it's whether we feel rather getting a tune out of them or they go well look we've been trying to get this working now for five years do you go again in the transfer market and get someone else who who is that is maybe is, is maybe an answer there but again people always come back to this so when people say we've got we need to buy Coutinho or a Coutinho like as though Coutinho ever played in midfield for us and I know he did by the way but I actually I, I, I this bit of book best games from the left yeah 100% and the vast 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 majority of games from the left as well he played it at, at, at a relatively handful of games as a as a midfielder it, it requires a shift in formation which I don't which we kept, he kept getting run past every time he was playing in the centre of the park but equally when we won the it, it, you know, if we're going back into more of a normal season we might see us rep, try to replicate what we did in the title winning season and we and you know and we did we did shift things 4-2-3-1 was our break glass you're chasing a goal for the final 10-15 minutes of a football match formation so we you, you don't we don't know is the, is, is the point but yeah so we definitely I believe we need another midfielder but we'll have to see what goes on with that uh, right we're going to be talking um, pre-season in a moment but I uh, just want to highlight Redmen picks too yeah it's running throughout the Euros you can get involved and play for free right now there is a £100 total prize pool available for answering some very simple questions about Italy versus Spain I've already locked in mine for this uh, will Italy beat Spain 78% of Redmen fans have gone with yes and I'm no different in that one will Italy score in the first half will Spain score in the second half how many shots on target will Spain have how many shots on target will Italy have uh, how many corners will be Italy be awarded how many saves will the Spain goalkeeper make will Ferran Torres score will Chiro Immobile score how many saves will Italy's goalkeeper make uh, and that is it all you've got to do is answer those very simple questions you just got to log in or create an account you do not need to deposit any money it's completely free to play you do need to be 18 plus however uh, and make sure with anything that you are gamble aware check out the terms and conditions uh, there is also a paid version on top uh, if you want to chuck in I think it's a quid you get a £250 uh, prize pool uh, if, you find, if you're feeling confident um, England game will be live tomorrow as well, and the England game is to come as well. So yeah, it's still running, still running. I I, I found myself of late doing it because I, I, with the Euros, it's nice to just have a little cool game to play and occupy yourself in the build-up to games. So I found I find myself keeping that tab open on my browser and basically just refreshing it every time the games finish and then doing my next ones and you just in with a shout. Um which would look really suspect if I was to I was to get there. I came close. Came so close to a ten of the other week. Frighteningly close. Did you, yeah. yeah How many points point away? One point away. How many positions away? Well Technically one, but also when you've got 60 people, you won't get 11 points and I got 10. Um, so, so, yeah, get involved. Redmenpicks.com uh, and you can be with a chance of winning part of that £100 prize pool for free. Um, right, yes, um, we're going to talk about preseason in a moment, but I think it's only fair. You know, we've been skating around the Euros thing for a while. We've had plenty of conversations around England and what have you. Um, and whether we do or don't, there's old videos when we talk about the, the sky not English stuff and we've talked about all the, the political ramifications and I just want to highlight first of all before we dive into the Hendo chat if you want to know why some of us have some moral issues with the England stuff it's Boris fucking Johnson disobeying the rules about being in a venue and being stood up in a venue when you're meant to be sat down you, you, if you stood up you've got to be masked up and all that kind of stuff breaking those to be in a photo op to see so he's being seen to be watching the match and the photo with the English flag outside and all that Kind of that's what makes me want to vomit out my eyes. But in a footballing sense, Chris, 
We went and did the um, the five channel, be real fair, the channel with House and, and and Joel Bay the other week, and it was sad. You know, neither we're we're both sort of fairly England uh, England football agnostic in this regard. It was quite nice seeing Joel, who's really well up for it, but also given how bitter and horrible about it House and was, I've come to realise that I because I have no depth of feeling one way or the other. When I'm seeing all this Southgate criticism, oh, what's he doing with his team selection? All this frothing at the mouth. I actually don't. It, you it can't does, buy into that. It doesn't. I don't buy into it one way or the other. So I've actually probably got more overall, an overall level of base enjoyment out of it. I haven't got the peaks because I don't feel that depth of feeling, but I certainly haven't been in any of the negative troughs in all the build-up to the match. I just, I, I, I don't get the negative stuff. You know, again, I'm just a, a lad who's enjoyed the Euros and I've watched so much of it, so much more than I have of previous tournaments as well because the timing of it's perfect for me. You know, you put the kids to bed at 8 o'clock, I pretty much watch an 8 o'clock game every single day for the most part. Um, and then I've made the rare rare sort of decisions to watch an earlier one if I can do, if it's someone that I'm asked about and stuff. So watching the England games has been quite good. They've been on. I've been watching them. I've been seeing the sort of kickoffs on, on online about his team selections. And then it's kind of like watching Liverpool from the outside <laughs> in some ways. Kickoff, you, you, Neil Jones said this to me. The other day, it's like, oh wow, we've lost the uh, we've got we've lost the starting eleven game again for the thirty eighth time this season. Um, that's kind of what it's like, isn't it? You've lost as soon as the team comes out, and then the team gets to play football. And Gareth Southgate has picked the right team every time because they've won and they've not conceded a goal. Um, so, it, and it's weird watching people defend the position when Southgate's picked the team that's won the game. Yeah. And then they then they go again the next day. It was just a boss game of footy the other night. It was yeah. a really doable. And I celebrated the goal when Henderson scored for the first time in years. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Sam, I've seen you go and ape shit over um or over Southgate and the selections and what have you. How how is your feeling around all the England stuff? Do, do you know do you know why England win games of football, right? Because they've got better players than the other team. Do you know this? Do you know what England are? England are the Manchester United of international football. Yeah. And this is exactly what's going to happen. They're going to probably all ask the way to the final by having Grealish and Foden and Mounts and Kane and Sterling and San- Sancho and Saka and every other quality English player that's available to them. And they'll probably get there. But when they get to a final, it's got, shit's going to get real for them. And I think, we, I know we'll talk about that probably in a second, but this, this is the thing for me is that I, I look at the team and, and I see, and, and I don't care what anyone says, like, and I, just, I don't care that I'm a biased Liverpool fan because I am, but unless Jordan Henderson's not 100% fit, he should be playing instead of both of them with 10 men, let alone it, sitting on the bench for one of them in the centre midfield. So I think that's been a bit mad. I mean, I can't really knock his forward selections because there's that many of them that are quality, but I do think that the... Southgate is so pragmatic, but they've got away with it because of the quality of play and not because of his t- t- tactics. Because let's be honest, the games have been so awful until the second half of the Ukraine game. Even the first half the, was great. To, to the point, to the point though, Sam, how, how are you meant to be? I don't, I don't know how you're meant to tactically do it when you don't have... It's not a club side. You know what I mean? It's not like you get to work on... Incre- the game, your tournaments are won by good footballers. And, and good footballers yeah. look better in, to- in major tournaments. There's a reason why Jane Jacari looks like a world beater because in yeah. tournaments you just need your, your best players to be the best players. Yeah, and it's the same with Genie, isn't it? It's a levels thing. Genie looks amazing for Holland because international football is not as good as Premier League and Champions League football, so he can smash it. So, in, in, in that respect, yeah, I agree. I'm, and I think Southgate's the luckiest manager I've ever seen in my life. I mean, the, the two draws he's had in the two last international tournaments have enabled him to get to a position where they've been two semi-finals without really having to do much by just having better players. I mean, some of the old England managers must be pulling their head out with the draws that England have had now versus then. It's truth, isn't it? And, you know, Portugal's manager must be like that. You know, the games they've had to play, Belgium's manager, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, you can't really knock them too much because they've got through. But, you know, from a perspective of excitement, from a perspective of could you still improve England starting eleven if you picked a slightly different team? The answer, in my opinion, is yes. I think so, the, the the Henderson stuff is the, is the only bone of contention, isn't it, Dad? And, and you know, to Chris's point, it's so so good to see him because he was. We were having this chat at the weekend. 
They're so much better with him in that side. There's not a football team around that isn't improved by Jordan Henderson in the midfield, and it's mad to say that because I think there's, you know the years ago that a lot of people would have would have turned their noses up at that. But it's 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 so evident. I think he completed more passes in the what twenty minutes or something he was on the pitch than anyone else had had in the game leading up to that. Half half, half an hour, yeah, yeah. He was the best player on the pitch for the half hour he was on the pitch. No doubt about it. He was just brilliant. He was all over the place. You know, supporting people, collecting the ball, moving it on, you know, and, and scoring a goal. But he actually predicted he would score, didn't he? He said it's coming to people, you know. Um, and maybe he knows his role's changing and he's going to get more into the box. Who knows? I mean, my, my position on England is I, I like them being in tournaments because it, it is more interesting to see an England game than to see Ukraine, Czechoslovakia, Czech Republic, or, or something like that. You, could, you have an interest whether you like it or not. Yeah. Uh, but I don't care if they don't do well, you know. And if if they get beat, to, you know, tomorrow or if they get to the final, get beat, it won't be a disaster for me. It'll just be they got beat. And in, in terms of, I do get upset by some of the team selections, but that's because I've got an involvement. If I didn't care at all, yeah. then I wouldn't bother who they played. You know, as it is, I do, you know, say, well, why the hell is he playing two older midfield players? Why is he playing? Why won't he let his uh, wing backs play in an attacking role until about ten minutes from the end of a game? You know that that, but that that's what makes it interesting. It's yeah. like you know, and I can watch Denmark and see how they set up, or I can watch Italy and admire the you know the skill of the players involved. And you know, I mean, that's what tournament football is all about. You like to see what what's hopefully the best football in the world. You know. Yeah, the, the Henderson stuff, I, but the way I summarise it, it's why I've been quite laissez-faire about the team selections and all that, Chris, because he's quite clearly the best midfielder England have got, but he's also been out for the back end of the season. He's not kicked the ball. You know, he was on the bench against Crystal Palace, and the fact that he doesn't get on in the last game of the season tells you everything you need to know about where he was at. Mm-hmm. Southgate, for me, from to my mind, I have I, I, enough belief because I know how good he is and I know how highly Gareth Southgate rates him as well. He's clearly protected Maguire. And he's clearly protected Henderson, and he's clearly tried his best to massage Kane into form as well. Around with his own with his own fitness issues, that's the spine of the team. They're the senior players, they're his be- they're, and they're his best players in all those positions. Whether we think Andy Maguire is brilliant or not, he's clearly England's best centre half. The miles better for having him in there, and same with Henderson. And I I I don't know whether that means he will start Henderson there in, you know on Wednesday, but also I think he's he's playing twenty minute football matches. Mm. Because of the way, and and I don't think that's a that's a stupid way to play football at the moment. Because everyone's knackered the, the quality of this tournament. I mean, I know we've seen goals and we've seen bits and pieces, but the standards nowhere near to what we watch on a week in week out basis. Everyone's done when you've got, and when you've got the best players and you've got tons of them, why not? Why not? Why not make it a twenty minute game? What's interesting? I mean, I, you know, I think personally, Henderson should be coming back in for the semi-final, I think, you know, or starting a game for the first time in the tournament. And I think I think Gareth Southgate's substitutions in the, in the quarter probably led us to believe that it will be for Calvin Phillips because he took, when Declan Rice and Phillips were both on a yellow, he took Rice off, which says to me he was protecting him more than Calvin Phillips. So yeah. if Calvin picked up another yellow card, he had Hendo to play alongside Declan Rice. Yeah. I think Declan Rice is probably slightly more important to how England play. Therefore, Hendo comes in alongside Declan Rice if he's ready. Because the other the other side of it is, well, does Southgate think he's ready yet? Is he ready for that 90-minute game? Can he go... Wednesday, Sunday, and whatever it, the final is. Well, it, are you better off having Jordan Henderson for 70 minutes plus extra time? Or do you want him for 70 minutes and off when the crunch time of the game happens? I think that's how, that's why he's And can he play Wednesday, Sunday if exactly. England were to get the game? Exactly, yeah. But he and can start... So I was just gonna say, he could, if he starts a semi-final and plays 65 minutes, because let's be honest, they should be, they should be dead, Mark. They should. If they don't, then wow. But... Then, then I agree with you. Actually, it might be worth leaving him on the bench for the final, for what you've just said, for the for the for the you know, because it's likely to have been a tighter game, isn't it? So for seventy plus, finish the game with your strongest midfielder. But I think Southgate's shown us. I don't think he'll start to win either game, to be honest. Yeah, maybe, but I think again, when when whether it's right or wrong, and I've got no vested interest in defending Gareth Southgate on it. But I think at the moment he's playing, he's ending with his best team or as best as he can because that's how games that's how games are being won, and it looks jammy 
because somehow make you know bring on substitutes and go like, oh, it's Grealish that's won the game. Well, you know, yeah. having Grealish pumped up and and letting him loose on a game when he's been watching and not playing Jaden Sancho for all his time and then starting him when and he, all of a sudden you're getting Jaden Sancho absolutely chomping at the bit, desperate to, desperate to make it make an impact. I think you know it's one of them things we don't we we talked about this when we showed you the week is when you when you engineer cup wins. Tight away European wins. If it goes wrong, you look stupid. But if you if you nick a one nil away win, having defended for ninety minutes and then score from a corner, it's called a masterclass. But yeah. it's only a masterclass when it go when you when it when it when it works for you. If not, you go. Well, why didn't you play football? Why didn't you try and do X, Y, and Z? And to the, to the Denmark point, I, I was asked the question by my son. Who are Denmark, Dad? Are they, are, are, are they any good? And I was like, Well, they've won it. We haven't. Well, they, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, which is not what, but the but the point is, is that the simple answer for the Denmark to Sam's point: Denmark haven't got as good players as England, so England should probably should probably win. Is as, is as, I guess as fair a point on this as any. Um, that was plenty of England chat. I feel I think that's, that was a, too that was much to be fair. Um, I said this before. I don't, I'm not. I'm not. I, I I enjoy the joy of football. I love the joy that it brings. I don't. I, I, you know, there's a there's a limit because you, you know when people just turn into knobheads. When people turn into knobheads and all kinds of also, I've enjoyed seeing all my mates who are dead sound who love it who clearly don't have. The same, you know, like, like James. Well, James Allcott is, is a QPR fan. This is well bigger than anything QPR have done for ever, ever for his entire lifetime. So, boss, there was that overhead kick, wasn't there? Travis Sinclair. Travis Sinclair, yeah, yeah. absolutely. I remember, I that's, remember probably, that. that's probably that's yeah, probably it. Isn't it? Les Ferdinand <laughs> probably scored the goal in the Premier League at one point. Um, Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Right, Liverpool back to pre-season training on Monday, Dad. Um, still no games confirmed. In fact, we had a super chat asking us just that. Uh, Gareth Baird said, anyone know the fixes for pre-season? Yeah, Gareth, no. It would be really, really useful for a Liverpool-based media company to have some idea of when the Reds are going to kick a ball around. Um, I, I, I want to know... know- you know the way they have secret clubs and stuff now you have to go in through a telephone box I think it's going to be like that you you turn up somewhere to a field and you open the door and there they are playing yeah, you just go walk the dog around the mystery, and there's Liverpool just having a <laughs> playing Tranmere in the middle of the in the middle of the park. Yeah, yeah, you never know. Um, Dad, though, what uh, we're just talking about the the, the general gist of preseason because I find transfers is a bit like this. There's 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 just stories repeated ad nauseum year in year out. You just change the names around. Um, again, we have it with transfer rumours. We and we defo have it with preseason. What are some of the things? What is one thing? Anything that you are you think we are guaranteed to see from Liverpool this preseason? Well, well, guaranteed to see loads of our young kids 
playing as if they're world beaters and might actually have a chance of getting in the first team, when of course they don't and they won't. <laughs> yeah, I mean we do this every year, don't we? Chris, we've this thing when we've gone to when we're going to Tranmere and Oviagari had arrived out of nowhere. We had no idea who he was, and he ran the show. And we we're like, great. And look, to be fair, he ended up playing first team games, so he's going to have a decent career and what have you. But there is always that. We've, we don't own Ryan Kent anymore, so it can't be. We do still own Harry Wilson, um, so there's every chance that, as far as cliches go, Harry Wilson having a very good preseason game is probably as on the cards as anything. Yeah, I think the biggest one for me is probably Gruwich has a couple of really good games and gets sold and everyone loses their head about it <laughs> because we need a midfielder. Yeah. Um, that's probably a guaranteed. And the only other guarantee is that Milner wins the lactate test, which oh, we'll find out in the yeah. next few days, I suppose. I wonder if there the, the, the could be like a change in the guard. Yeah, I thought that and then thought, nah. nah. <laughs> Don't back against James Milner. <laughs> what about you, Sam? What, you, what are we guaranteed to see? Kate gets Not a knock. Kata yeah. <laughs> <laughs> gets a knock. Uh, loads of videos of Ox. He loves it, doesn't he? But everyone, everyone getting absolutely gassed up for Harvey Elliott to dominate the Premier League next season as well, which probably yeah. will include me as well, by the way, because I was a Brewster loving defo. Yeah. yeah. Um, game against Tramier. Who else do we usually play? Bradford. We've played them before. We might get over to Northern in it. We might go and play them. Yeah, I I loved I always loved the like the yeah the conference the league two league one championship yeah, yeah. kind of like ramp up of northern of northern teams was always always good fun. There was rumours we were going to play United, wasn't there? A few weeks cool. ago, it was Pretty all been it's all been fucked off, hasn't it? Because the um because there's fears that the games would be swarmed because of all the stuff oh, that yeah. happened. Yeah, so season. I think. F- the big thing now is obviously after Johnson's announcement last night, I wonder if that's playing into Liverpool's pre-season yeah. plans and stuff like that. Like we might actually get a game at Anfield where you do get a crowd because it's been so long for all that staff to have actually run a game. Yeah, Like, you know what yeah. I mean? A full 45, 50,000 in the stadium. Like there must be some serious training going on behind the scenes. So it wouldn't surprise me if Liverpool just had a little test run. Well, it's, well by all accounts, what we know, or what we, I say what we, what we, no, in inverted commas, is Rangers is almost certain to be certain to be a thing, and there's there's one there's one more. They're looking, I think they're looking to have two at Anfield with capacity before the season starts, which I think is right. I think will play into your to your point there. But I also wonder, Sam, whether there's just the travel ban thing. You know, like what do you do and where do you go on your preseason tour? Liverpool are not going to arrange a bunch of fixtures. And sell tickets even potentially yeah. for games when you might find that it's just not possible to travel to those countries and you've just wasted loads of time, efforts, and money in organising them. Well, I think back end of July they, they'll try and get away again, but because they did last year, didn't they? When there was Austria, we were in or the, the, the parts of Germany near Austria, I can't remember. It was around there, wasn't it? Avion was it, something like that. So um, I can imagine them to do that because Klopp likes his away from Liverpool week, doesn't he? But mm-hmm. interestingly enough, Man United are still going on tour to America. So, um, yeah, yeah. Everton, that's yeah, oh, right, there you go. Yeah, so I was actually quite surprised that because it just seems like a logistical nightmare. I'm glad Liverpool are, so I just think it'll be much more sensible to you know get everybody used to the access center, the ones who've been away. Because some of our lads, you know, Van Dyke, Gomez, Matip, to an extent, won't have actually trained at the access center with the first team that much because. Basically, he got injured before he moved in. Am I right in saying that? Van Dyke definitely did, didn't he? So he yeah. will not have actually had a first team training session with the team at the Axe Training Centre, which is bonkers. So I think all of that, um, well, and, and I, I just imagine, yeah, a simple training schedule at, at Liverpool, followed up by a week away in Austria or something like that. No, no mad international, no Dublin, should we say. Yeah, I, I'd be. I mean, again, you never, you don't know, do you? Because we're saying all this, and I, I, but I do. I, I like that idea that, particularly off the back of a manic year, two years, really, four, really, um, that Jurgen makes a lot of concessions because he understands what there's more to football than just him and his lads kicking a ball around, you know, which is why, you know, he accedes to the American tours, why the American tours went from being every two years to being every year, you know, and why they've had a lot. And, I, and also, but also there's a, there's a flip side, you know, the last time they went to Hong Kong, it was a nightmare. They were training on inside hotels because they couldn't get out and play on pitches and stuff, which might've affected that. I wonder whether there's a deal been struck here where he's just said, looking at what we've been through, 
can I can I please can we please just rein it in a little bit more this summer? Stay a bit closer to home. You mean Germany? Well, yeah, yeah, but you know, I mean, not like not going on what well, tour time where you're changing I, I, people's body I mean, clocks or whatever. He'll, he'll want a training camp, won't he? But that, yeah. rather than a tour, he'll want a training camp somewhere in the mountains, and just send them into frozen lakes. And have them fight for each other's lives. No, but it's funny because they do that every year. So that's what this squad needs as well. They need a team. They need team bonding. They need a reason to get together and, and be mates. You hear like Trent did the interview I did with Trent, and he talks about like how that the going to Formby Hall when they won the title. They basically, I know they've been working together, but they hadn't seen each other in that in in the months after after lockdown. We talked about it when they went away on the Champions League. They just actually the act of getting on a flight together and going somewhere else is something that just breaks the cycle and gives you a bit more. Klopp probably he needs that more than anything, doesn't he? It's how he. How we were. That's it, yeah. I mean, look, the, we all know that the training camps are what's important to Jürgen. He, he puts up with it because he understands the football's more than just the games nowadays and it is about branding and commercial deals and all that type of stuff. But he hates them. And he knows that you're probably working to, the players too hard because they'll access for interviews and they pull pulled there, there and everywhere. He just wants the training camps. He wants to go. He wants them to be friends. He wants them to enjoy time together. He wants them probably away from their family and their normal life a little bit as well. And he wants them concentrating on building themselves up for a full season. You know, he loves them getting on like the photos of them getting on the bikes and just having a nice ride and enjoying themselves as well as the hard yards that they have to put in. So Klopp, I think, will be absolutely made up in some ways not to have to go through this this season you know what he hates the most open training sessions yeah <laughs> fucking hates open training sessions because it's not training because he can't actually do any training yeah. because you're giving the game away because you're in front of cameras and things can get leaked and passed on it's a complete wait a complete waste of, of his time. time yeah complete waste of his time just some rondos yeah, do some random, but we love it. Like, of course we do. We get to have a pitch side at, at Fenway and, and watch the Reds run around yards from. It's great, uh, but he hates them. But uh, just on the players in particular, I've had a few names mentioned there, Dad. And it, it, Sam mentioned that Harvey Elliott's big preseason for him. Um, really, really big. He's on a short list for me, and he's probably top of. I I really want to see where he's at because I think ideally. If he, you know, Liverpool will want to keep him around this season, but we need to know that he's capable and he's not just, oh, we're going to throw the kid on because you want to throw the kid on at some sort of gesture. He doesn't do that. He puts players on who are ready to play football. Yeah, I mean, you'll know how good he is if he does, you know, make a real impact in terms of the squad this year. And we, we see a lot more of him. Um, and just that old thing about if you're if you're good enough, you're old enough, and yeah. you know really really good players, you know at his age do start to make an impact. Uh, and my only worry about him, and I don't think Liverpool it will happen with Liverpool, is some players you see like Michael Owen, they start too young, you know they fade away long yeah. before their career should, you know because you know forwards generally rely on pace and stuff, and hamstrings take a battering, don't they? Um, so you, you have to nurture players, you know, but um, it'll be great to see him um, and see how he's come on since. Because he, he definitely wasn't ready, you know, when he went out on loan. You know, no one would have thought, you know, always a guaranteed first-team player in the future. He was not sure, you know, he's clearly got talent, but then he went, you know, into the championship and, you know, set the place on fire, didn't he? So yeah. it'd be nice to see how that translates. There's there's a big there's a big step up, isn't there? Because it's not just stepping up to Premier League level. You're stepping up to title winning, Champions League final level. That's what Liverpool are aiming for, Sam. You know, what I mean, to be in that Liverpool first team, not just about being good. You've got to be exceptional. You've got to be a borderline yeah. generational talent. You know, to be anywhere near Liverpool's squad at this point, and it's going to be an important thing because I I I, I don't see any point in sending them down to the Championship again. So really, you're looking at him to you're looking at a Premier League loan or maybe a top European loan potentially if you were to send them out. So that's why it's going to be important to kind of get a, a sense of is just just yeah just just what it what is his level and look we'll think he's at that level because he might turn it on and look amazing against Tranmere and you know and and, and all these other all these other you know lower, lower league sides, but 
it's all the stuff that he's doing off the off the pitch on yeah. the training ground, all the extra bits and pieces. It's really interesting. I've got a um, I've got a friend who's a Blackburn fan. He's he's a you know he's really into it. Watches all the the I follow was it they were the, they had last year, and I spoke to him about it and I listened to the to the, to the loan review as well like you guys did, which is really good. And I think what what both consistently said is that his, his decision making for his age was fantastic, and I think that's huge in the development. If you look at players like Cristiano Ronaldo, who obviously went on to be one of the best players ever existed, you know all of these type of attacking players who've got good feet, they overdid it when they were younger. And I think from what from what I gather is Harvey Elliott already at a young age is starting to make smart decisions when he's in the final third. What I would say as well is I think he's at, he, when he played in the season when he was at us against you know in the, in the cup games and stuff like that, and he came on the our Premier League game, he already showed he could have an impact. And then he's just gone another season in the Championship, where in my opinion it's almost like having two loan spells at once because he's played so many games for them. Usually you would send a player on loan at that age, you come on, they make some appearances. You know, maybe play 25 games, 30 games for them, and then the next season they go up below the level. He's gone to Blackburn, and within three weeks, he's one of the first names on the team sheet. So he's almost had a big two steps of development along the way, and he starts scoring goals. They're looking to him to win the game for them, or they're looking to him to create that chance and make it level, equalise for them. And I think so. He's had a quick learning curve. We only worry would send the players on loan. This is what happened to Brewster. And I thought that his loan move to Swansea and the way he did would have meant that he would have come back into the squad. But actually, it proved the point that I made years ago. Most players who go on loan end up getting sold. So I think if Elliot goes on loan this season, he could find this timing with our squad gone and we may end up selling them. I hope he stays and does the Curtis Jones role. Yeah. The thing Bruce to pick up an injury as well, didn't he? That was Yes, uh, he did, yeah. Well, Bruce uh, to miss yeah. these years out injured is the difference you know what I mean he True. missed his opportunity to burst into the scene because he was because he missed two years of two years yeah. of football effectively the thing about Elliot for me Chris is that when we saw him play for us he looked great against the good teams but like think about like okay he was better in the, in the replay against Shrewsbury but when he came up against less technical football teams he looked like a child because that's the physical side but uh, the championship stuff that's why the championship loan was potentially massive for him you know to, to borrow the expression from one of Liverpool's coaches saying like you know going and playing against hairy ass men for, for the year it'll, it'll, toughen, it'll toughen you up and that's what it's going to be so he, he, I'm excited to see physically how he's developed how much more robust because who else is on this list Taki Minamino's on this list and what the big accusation about Minamino is that his e physical enough f- for the Premier League as well. So that's one thing we are actually going to be able to see even from early stages of preseason. Because when you're playing against, you know, less technical football teams, they become more physical battles, and you can gauge that a bit better. And why does it take so long for young players to get into it? I mean, they go through their early football and career playing the best of their age group. And it starts really, really early on. And it, and then you might get into like an under-18 side when you're 16. It's still not a massive jump. It's two years of lads who are underdeveloped physically. Then you might get to an under-23s. Then when you play men's football, you're playing the best of 15, 20 age groups and the best in the, uh, the best of the best as well. So that's why it takes so long for them. And then physically, they all develop a different speeds and stuff as well don't they I think the low move was great for, for Harvey last year I love what everyone's been saying I've read so much about how he's how he's applied himself to decision making that Sam mentioned and stuff like that but the important thing is that it doesn't stall because I think right now and maybe I'm maybe I'm on my own on this I don't see him getting in the first team mm-hmm. and I don't see him playing a big part in the squad this season either because He's coming in a Mo's position, That's a and Jurgen doesn't take Mo off. Yeah. So yeah. when it and, and when you've got Jota to play one of those four, you're not even the first choice. Like I think Jurgen would probably move someone around before he plays Harvey Elliott. Now I could be wrong. He might have made a big enough jump that he comes in and, and makes that impact. But right now, it's the most important years of any young player's development. And what they need more than anything in those younger years, those important years, is football. And I don't see that going long in the Carabao Cup is anywhere near as good as what he's had with Blackburn. Well, there. we still own Shakiri and Origi. And neither of them in in a in a they pandemic season. Couldn't even get on. Yeah, barely got a kick for us last season. So that's where he's kind of... He's got... But... but you, but doesn't mean he's not going to be good enough. By the way, yeah. I just think at this stage of his development, he's not going to get the games. Yeah. So you have to move him on. Potentially, it's, just, it's kind of the yeah. same with Cleveland Keller. Yeah. You know, we're at that point where it's like he's not going to improve without games of football, but we know he's our best second choice goalkeeper. Yeah. 
but what we just got to go you're all right just sit there don't play football it's it's a real tough one at this yeah stage. that's it you got to we had this we, we, well this is the, the the conversation we had last week about how do you get an understudy for trent where how do you understudy the best in the world well most sellers i mean look, before people get it get before the messy fans fall and fall in rage <laughs> this, but Mo, Mo Salah is effectively the best right winger in world football yeah or and you know you, or, what point being there's no one you can buy who's better than Mohamed Salah so what do you do? How do you understudy that? We'd all be looking around the continent and go, "Well, you need a you need an upcoming wonder kid, don't you?" So Harvey Elliott might actually just fit that fit that mould. So he's coming on for ten minutes here and there, and he's getting a few bits and pieces. I was just looking at it in terms of the actual appearances um, last season. What we need him to do, I'm going to get the exact figure in a moment when I actually find how low down Shakiri is on the list. Shakiri, twenty two appearances last season. Um, across all competitions now in terms of minutes that's none that's 829 so it's a bunch of bits and pieces and it's whether his, it's whether Harvey Elliott's development is better for that and I wonder whether he's still young enough if he was 19-20 I would be more concerned about him just needing to play full seasons of football whereas he might just be young enough that because he's a sponge at that age that that and being around Salah and Mane and Firmino in training might be enough to make up for the not playing 40 games a, a season but it's a, that's what I mean goes back to the preseason. season <coughs> um, any other Af- players AFCON Af- Af- Paul that's a big factor yeah. as well yeah, but is he good enough? Is an eighteen-year-old Harvey Elliott good enough to understudy Mohamed Salah? And we don't, of course, we're seven months, eight months away from that, so we don't, we don't know. But um, any other players um, who would be on a short list that you know are, are important watch lists this this preseason, Dad? Well, you mentioned Minamino. We, we need to know whether he's going to be, be an integral part of the squad or not. You know, he came in with um, everyone excited about him. Uh, didn't get a lot of game time. Um, seemed to seemed to wake up when we played Palace, and then was immediately shipped out on loan. <laughs> Where he scored yeah. twice in his first two games, and then he got dropped, didn't he? And uh, so that didn't that wasn't entirely successful for him. And I, I suppose this issue about his size is interesting. That you know, Klopp was saying how we had we needed bigger players because of the situation we were in with our defence and stuff. If that's resolved, does that mean Minamino is much more, you know, um, useful? Mm. I don't know. Yeah. I like I him myself. That... I think he's a nice little player. He's got something, hasn't he? Yeah, you know, to, to sort of answer the question that John answered as well, the, the biggest concern for me isn't the lads on the fringes of the squad. The biggest concern is seeing how Joe Gomez, Joel Matip and Virgil yeah. van Dijk do in pre-season. Yeah. That's the one where I've got, I'm, I'm like panicking over whether they're going to come back because that has more of an impact than Harvey Elliott is ever going to have this season. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, we, we said this when we were talking the other week about our, tra- our fears around the transfer market. And again, it's why I'm remaining pretty laissez-faire. I'm seeing lots of people's heads falling off because it's social media. And again, Eleven years we've been doing this now. I've, I've, so I've had this for eleven years. Watch the same stories and the same reactions, just changing the names. Liverpool are not going to go big in the transfer market until they've assessed Virgil Van Dijk, Joe Gomez, and Joel Matip. Because if for any reason Virgil Van Dijk has a breakdown, then we or both or two of them do, or heaven forbid, all three of them, then all of a sudden this idea that we're going to put throw a hundred million pounds at a at a forward, or that we're going to go and compete for Jaden Sancho, completely pointless. Right now, we've maybe Liverpool would have been interested in Sancho. I don't think at that wage, I, I, I don't think we would have broken our wage structure for for him because I don't think he's better than what we've got. But the but I don't think Liverpool will go and and commit their entire or, or the largest chunk of their transfer budget to anything until they know what it is they exactly need. And you can't know what you need until Virgil van Dijk plays preseason games. Now he's going to be back for day one of training, day one. So that means he will theoretically be available from game one of preseason, which is unheard of for him as well. And we'll. So can I say? And can and Canate and again, how does Canate settle? How what we don't know where they go, where Gomez is at. We have no idea where Matip's at. Really, we've heard there's a lot of talk that they might that they might all be back for preseason, but no one can know until you put Virgil Van Dijk into a competitive football match where people are trying to hit him, <coughs> trying to kick him, and he's got a twist and he's got a turn under under intense pressure. We can't know where he's at. 
and that way I don't think to your point I don't think we're going to see anything mega beyond that and I, that's you're probably, probably right the biggest watch list is actually players is the yeah. is how the first team has come it's back got it's got it's just got to be hasn't it I mean so what happens if Virgil van Dijk comes back and he gets injured yeah I mean I could also see that links into Phillips as well I don't think we'll sell him until two three four weeks into pre-season if we do because as you both just mentioned I was actually going to pull Chris at the words out of mouth there when John was talking it twigged in the head about the defence actually yeah you're absolutely spot on and Paul you're, you're completely right there as well I mean I, I can see Quebec not leaving um, where is he is he Stuttgart is it Stuttgart is it no uh, Schalke is it Schalke okay. yeah. I can yeah. see him not leaving Schalke till mid-August because he might have been told his agents hold your horses there might be a chance you can come back to Liverpool let's just see how that and you know what you would wouldn't you because it's a big yeah. opportunity so everything could be you know sort of lined up to what happens in the next two three weeks which is as a fan it's quite scary isn't it really because you know, we could be on the fringes of buying a big time player and then it all just goes crumbling down because we have to go buy Ben White. So well, exactly. We look last summer we put we took a calculated <coughs> transfer gamble and dear God, we've got my dad on the podcast, so we're not gonna dive into our decision not to buy a centre half. But <laughs> well, he might. We're not doing that again. <laughs> but they whether it's right or wrong, they clearly decided to not cover that position and buy else buy elsewhere. I don't think they will make that mistake again, or they, and they might do it by accident. Because let's be honest, Virgil Van Dijk could be fit all preseason, and then they could both get injured in the first game, or on the, the first game after the international break in September, the window's shorty fucked. You can't make. You can't. They should have bought forward. a centre half, yeah. shouldn't they, John? But the, I mean, they should have bought three. Never mind one. He <laughs> gets four every week. I think the biggest problem is is not whether they get injured in the first you know game or two but how long it's going to take them to actually get up to proper match fitness yeah and haven't had those injuries have been out for so long i'll be astonished if they're anywhere near their best until christmas yeah so you know for me it's who's going to be playing in that team you know is kanate going to get straight in because he's the only guaranteed centre-back we've got with Nat Phillips, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but that, that's going to be more interesting for me than whether, you know, Van Dijk and Gomez and Matip are, are able to play from the word go. I don't know. Yeah. Well, we know Joel Matip's going to be well classed from the moment. He's got, we know he's going to be pitch until the moment he limps off seven minutes later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, that, that, and again, that's the point. And that, that there, there's some really interesting things I think to keep an eye on. And the Canate stuff, and he's the one at the moment because he's the new, he's the new buy, the, the new boy. I, exactly. You know, I, yeah. I want to, I, I just want to see what he looks like. I want to see him in the red shirt. I want to see him lining up. I want to get a, a, an early sense for what kind of thing he's going to be. Moment in a preseason friendly. I want to know what's out of the defence he's going to play because if they think Virgil yeah. van Dijk's not coming back for the start of the season does he start you know do, do you use him as the Virgil van Dijk understudy because he's a big he's a big lad isn't he do we see Nat Phillips you know you're right I think there's going to be a lot I think it's Liverpool traditionally you know like to get the business done early mentioned in the comments here about the you know Liverpool being sell to buy which they've always been by the way um I th but I also think you know a lot of this there's n there's not going to be a lot of movements I think Liverpool are going to have to play this better than better than ever. I, I, Man United buying Sancho's mad. It's mad. You know, look like how much how much money, how much financial trouble they're in. There's obviously reasons and they're obviously, they're obviously expecting to make big sales or whatever to maybe to maybe cover a bit of that. But then, you know, Liverpool are, Liverpool have always been a very finely tuned, finely run thing. Um, I don't think we're going to be able to truly analyse it until we get to the end. Until, look, until the window shuts, I feel like there's going to be <coughs> You know we're gonna we're gonna have to brace ourselves for another summer of what's got what's kind of going on. But uh, we will be discussing that on the Reds transfer roundup show this week. I just want to say thanks to Nish uh, YT as well for the super chat, saying starting the super chat fund so Paul and Chris don't have to share headphones. You'll never walk alone. Thanks. So, thank you so much. Um, right. Rumbled, yeah, been rumbled, Paul. Rustled up the ball. Yeah, definitely. Um, we are doing the Reds Transfer Roundup show tomorrow. It is streaming on the RedmenTV.com. We're going to be discussing Sal Nguyeth, uh, Harvey Barnes, rumours and talking a little bit more about uh, Virgil van Dijk's return to pre-season and a bit more about obviously the fallout and impact of other football clubs buying footballers for big money when Liverpool are seemingly not apart from the fact that they spent £40 million on a centre-half. Um, so yeah, check that show out. That is tomorrow. Uh, I mentioned it earlier Still as well. Still the second highest transfer in Europe, I think. Really? Sancho's not yeah. actually done done yet, is uh, it? And no. um, 
Upper Mancano was first with like 38 million, and we, I think we were second with Canate, 36 million. So mad that, isn't it? Funny that. Funny old world, isn't it? The, the reality compo- as opposed to a speculative tweet. Um, yes, I mentioned the Trent interview earlier. My, It's about 40 minutes. Uh, 50! To, yeah, is it 50? Yeah, I got shouted that last week for saying it was 15. Oh. <laughs> Definitely wasn't with it. Yeah, I am fifty. I digitally cornered Trent for the best part of fifty minutes to talk about his time at Liverpool, Jordan Henderson, some of the biggest moments that he faced as a Liverpool player in that time, and yes, including uh, that famous corner against Barcelona that is streaming exclusively on the RedmenTV.com right now. So if you want that interview with Trent, you can go and check that out as well as the Reds Transfer Roundup Show and um, the Summer Football Show where Ben was rounding up the Euros as well. We had the Clark James Liverpool fan extraordinaire from Denmark who actually gave a really really impassioned insight into being in the ground when uh, uh, Christian Eriksen had his collapse and what that meant to Danish fans ahead of England's game with them as well so yeah some brilliant stuff for you guys to keep you entertained throughout the summer uh, we'll be back with the Redmen podcast next week where pre-season will be underway and who knows we may even know who Liverpool are playing uh, but yes check this clip out from Trent and we'll see you all next week um, I just remember like even being in like my room at like midday half like one and just thinking, like, in, like, nine hours, I could, my dream could be true. Uh, like, I could be a, a Champions League winner, yeah. In, like, nine hours, this is this is mental. And, like, not being able to, like, nap. I was just there, just staring at the ceiling, just thinking, what can, what can happen? And I think, I mean... Uh, the first 2020, until Morgan injured, we were well in the game. I mean, I'm not blaming Mo's injury for the reason we lost, but uh, I think that was a big momentum changer for us. Um, and then yeah, second half, everyone knows what happens there. Happened there, but um, it was it it was a good game. It taught us a lot of things, and I think um, we wouldn't be the team that we are today without that game. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.